to me, happiness is um, really the it's the sum of uh, moments of joy you live in your life. And uh, in my opinion, success is kind of the framework you build during all your life to make sure you have a lot of moments of joy. And, um, and so it can, um, it can bring a lot of things. It can be a place where you feel at home. It can be a, a financial means. Um, but it, re it really is about the moments uh, of joy you live and uh, and the ones that I live the most are with my friends and family and uh, and also uh, I guess all the time that I, I have a real encounter which means uh, meeting someone that is going to change my vision of the world and change myself hello my name is Sabri and you're listening to the now I see me podcast this week's guest is Guillaume Capel. He's a social entrepreneur and is considered as one of the 26 most talented young French people and a discreet heir of the Abbe Pierre. He founded Singa, a global network of incubators and communities to hack migration. To date, Guillaume has empowered 287 companies and mobilized 65,000 citizens to change the game of inclusion in 10 countries. Guillaume believes that our identity is nothing but dynamic and that innovation comes from change. That's why he's been dedicating all his time and efforts to bring together a community of bright entrepreneurs and more importantly, to change the narrative about the newcomers. So sit back and enjoy. Guillaume Capel, welcome to the Now I See Me podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Sabri. Same here. How are you doing? I am good. Well, I, I'm really pleased to be here. Yeah, same here. Uh, we have a, our traditional way to kick off our podcast, so let me get right onto it. Guillaume, if you have the opportunity to meet your 15-year-old self, what would you tell him? I guess um, I would tell myself not to put too much pressure on myself to find uh, a job. Because uh, when I was in high school, I guess I was you know, wondering what I was going to do for the next, you know, 40 years. And it feels, it feels like uh, it's, um, it's something you find, ex except a few people, nobody really knows. And um, I feel like I would have told myself also not to go uh, to university. Uh, I'm really, I think I would have preferred to learn something online and to travel. And so I would have told myself, uh, find something online that you would love to learn. Uh, go wherever you want to go. Do the things you love. Work. And uh, when you find a place that you love, stop and start contributing. Nice. Thank you. Uh, and it's funny because I, I know and I think you found that place you love, right? Yeah, I do. Um, but I don't know if you're talking about Paris or Sydney or, <laughs> or, or the different places where I've been, but uh, I'm, I'm actually happy to be in Paris today. Yeah. So uh, take us a little bit uh, back to the different cities you've been to and, uh, and what did you learn or experience in those cities? So I, I grew up in Rennes, in, uh, in Brittany, uh, and I went to Paris for university. Um, and when I got my... Um, degree I went to Tokyo where I got my first uh, you know my first job um, and I'm 
Um, my parents at that time were in Germany, so I also have been there quite a, uh, a while. And uh, when I got my uh, master's, I left uh, for Australia, where I stayed uh, for a year. And when I came back, uh, I started uh, Singa, my organization, but I also worked because um, I couldn't pay the rent, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with starting this business. So I worked in Europe and I was always in uh, Palermo, Birmingham, Lisboa and Montreuil. <laughs> And, uh, and when and, uh, when Singa started, I uh, also traveled quite a lot because Singa became an international network. So I had to go to Morocco, to go to Canada, to go to Belgium, Germany, Italy, and 10 countries uh, in total. And um, I also uh, lived in New York for a while. Cool. Very, <laughs> quite an international profile, which I think explains perfectly the thing you love do you found and you started loving doing which is singa and you brought us to the perfect transition first of all tell us what is singa and what does singa do so singa is um, the biggest uh, migration innovations uh, ecosystem in europe uh, what we do is two things mainly uh, we build communities um, communities of consumers, of fans, of whatever you want, uh, with newcomers, some people who arrive somewhere, and locals, people who are already there. So we, we create the bridges between them. Uh, most of it, we do it with tech. Uh, we invented a lot of platforms, and we do it also with locations. We create spaces. Uh, so. Uh, we are really interested in how architecture, how you create the right conditions for people to meet. And the second thing is we built incubator, uh, incubators and accelerators. So we, we work with entrepreneurs. Uh, we, we love to, to learn about their projects and give them the best chance uh, to become the next uh, Steve Jobs or Mercury. Cool. Uh, it's actually lovely. I, I know personally Singa and I, uh, I, I think you... You've done an amazing job so far, and you gave us a very uh, good presentation. But I think Singa also and mostly is about the people and that mm. you have, like whether they're immigrants, refugees, locals, and you created such a strong bond uh, between those people. Which, by the way, I think that's the definition definition of the word Singa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, links, Singa, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a wire. A wire. So, yeah. yeah. So, a connection. Uh, you you you've had. I, I, you were mentioning. You started uh, Singa and you had to work to pay the rent because it took some time to kick off. Mm. And then since it, you, you found your strategy and the way uh, things you do, uh, I think you tried many projects and many experiments. Mm. Uh, some of them obviously were successful, others were less. Uh, could you tell us for you what, what's the project that was the most successful? Mm. And even more, like how did you define the success of that project? Well, I wanted to hack migration, like globally. Uh, I feel like the migration today is a terrible UX, you know, user experience, uh, terrible user interface, um, and the infrastructure behind is also shit. So it feels like we, we want to do uh, what Wikipedia has done to Encyclopedia. We want to do what uh, you know, a lot of organizations have done to a uh, very centralized system that don't really are efficient and more important, not really human. And so um, I think uh, the best way you can 
you know, uh, fight a system is, uh, is actually not fighting against it because it's not going to work. Uh, but you try to make it obsolete. And the way I've, I've tried to do, to do that is to connect migration with things that you would never have heard about before. So the first thing that I did is I took entrepreneurship and um, refugees and migrants. And I said, uh, this is the same thing. And when people were hearing this, it was like, Bleh, no, they need help. And I was like, no, they are going to change society. They are going to change the economy. So I think this was the reason why we've been uh, you know, famous from the beginning is because we've built uh, connections between migration, migration and entrepreneurship. Uh, and then we've done the same with tech. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, very successful in terms of tech for good. Um, we've been in all the the first um, uh, incubators of Facebook, Microsoft, uh, Station F, Ashoka about tech for good. Uh, we were always in the se- in the first cohort when they were starting, like saying we need to support tech for good. They were seeing out there. So so it tells you a lot about how also we've disrupted, um, you know, uh, tech as well. Uh, and how it had an impact in the migration sector because this was the first time uh, that that we were really uh, talking about creating um, new technologies uh, for inclusion, and uh, and we've done that as well uh, in the game uh, industry. We tried to um, we organized the first um, game jam in France, and so so we started to to look for uh, you know new games, could be card games, video games, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and I think today we're trying to do exactly the same in finance. And, um, and in, in, in the nine years that we've done that, I think there were two projects that were really successful. The first one is the incubator, because that's hundreds of startups that has been built uh, in these incubators in uh, you know, multiple countries in Europe. Um, and the second one is uh, Jacqueuil, which is a housing platform for refugee, uh, for refugees at home, so people welcome refugees uh, at their place, and this is a said a tremendous uh, social impact is, for, for yeah. all people. Is that the one that uh, you partnered with Airbnb? Well, um, Airbnb asked us to help them uh, to build uh, open homes uh, because they were launching open homes uh, in 2015 when we all saw that picture of this. Uh, a young kid called uh, Elan Kurdi uh, on a on a beach in uh, in Bodrum, uh, mm-hmm. Turkey, and um, and they they were trying to do that, and they weren't like you know getting the numbers they wanted, and they saw that we, on the same period with less staff, we were getting like really good numbers, um, and so we had a uh, Joe Gidia who came to uh, Paris. Uh, met with the team. They invited us to go to San Francisco. We trained them for two days. Um, so yeah, I guess also the success of Open Homes today uh, is also part of um, of the success of Jacquet. Cool. But it was uh, really satisfying and, and uh, it had a lot of impact, I guess, from my perspective at least, mm. to see what, what Singa started and the whole uh, vibe of love that you spread, like bridging that gap between locals, French, and international migrants or refugees and so on. Uh, among all the startups you build, you, you mentioned the incubator. Uh, what was your goal first? 
Uh, and then what 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 were the projects that, that also marked you from this that came out of this incubator? Um, first, I have to tell you that both my parents are entrepreneurs, and uh, and they've always been an inspiration to me. And I think probably the reason why um, you know I wanted to do that is because when I was in Australia, I met a lot of people that made me think about my parents. And um, and somehow it felt like my parents didn't have didn't have a chance to actually start their business because so many people were putting obstacles in their um, in their path. And, and so I guess I didn't do it to help you know refugees or to help migrants. I I did it because it feels like it's a, a world that is more just, more fair. And because I, w- I, I don't want to live in a world where maybe my parents didn't get a chance to start their business. And, um, and also, I think one of the reasons why I was so obsessed um, with creators, with innovators, is because since I'm a little kid, I like, I'm very interested in the source of genius, mm-hmm. uh, the source of intelligence. And, um, and I really believe like the purest um, intelligence there is in this world um, you can see it and it comes into play when one is confronted with unexpected situations and, and, and with terrible situations. And so we say intelligence is your capacity to adapt to change. Who better than refugees uh, can produce intelligence in this world? They are the ones that are confronted with the, the biggest changes. The changes are, you know, in their society, in their life. Um, in, in their country, and um, and so this is also why I've been so interested to work with people who go through this situation and these experiences, because they are the one who are going to show you, um, you know, courage, uh, ability of human being at its peak. And um, and so if if you if you are interested in innovation and intelligence, this is where you you should be actually. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I completely agree. I, I mm. myself come from Tunisia, mm. and mm. Uh, and once I heard someone I forget who who it was, but he said, "Frugal innovation is not something bad. It's uh, when you have nothing, that's when you're actually gonna create something." Mm. And I could see it in like I can still see it in Ethiopia today is one of the most innovative uh, countries in Africa, and it started because they had nothing. Mm. Uh, so I completely agree, and I'm in line with you uh, on that. So let me take you back again. Uh, why did you start Singa? Mm. Where did it come from? So it came from uh, my work uh, in Sydney, where I was, I always say I was a barman first, because this is how I, I paid my rent. <laughs> uh, but I was also doing uh, an internship with Amnesty uh, International. Okay. And um, this was how I was um, pretending uh, to be a master's degree student. And um, after a few months, the, the person in charge of the entire team uh, where I worked, like left, like we, we saw her one day and she went through the corridor and she, she didn't tell us anything. She was our boss and she just left. And, and we, we, we've heard that um, she left because uh, she had troubles with management, but also because it was maybe a bit tough actually to manage um, all the things that she had to manage. And so the CEO of Amnesty arrived and said, like, we need a replacement, like, now. And everybody was like, whoa, 
this job is too difficult. And I was working, I don't know, 15 or 16 hours a day. And I was like, this can't be worse. <laughs> so I, I took it. And um, it really changed my life because I, I, was, I was 22 years old. This was my, even if I had like experiences before, this was the first, you know, the real deal. Yeah. And I was in charge of something big because um, this was one of the top jobs actually at Amnesty uh, in Australia. And I had a team, uh, so I was responsible for a lot of people, a lot of management. But also we were working on something that is maybe one of the most difficult things because we were working with people that were facing uh, grave violations of human rights. So we were meeting with um, uh, asylum seekers. We were asking for international protection in Australia. We were meeting with representatives like lawyers of people who were in prisons. And, and all day we were trying to see how we could support them. And, um, and, and like during that period of time, uh, I've never felt so, I've, I've felt like really useful. Like, like I've never been, uh, like I never felt before. Um, and and uh, at the same time, I saw a lot of things that we could change. And I sent a letter to the CEO of Amnesty International, like in London. <laughs> and I told him, um, I think Amnesty should change because we shouldn't uh, try to fight injustice. We should uh, try to um, be entrepreneurs for justice. And he never replied. So I said, well, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and this was the beginning of Singa. Okay, well, mm. that's a beautiful story. And, uh, if he ever listened to that podcast, yeah, yeah. I hope he's going to reach out. Uh, yeah, and I hope we'll have a good conversation about that. I can understand why he doesn't yeah, reply to an intern. About, uh, yeah, but I could see yeah. a, a great partnership between Amnesty and uh, Singa. For sure. So uh, that's actually a beautiful story uh, that led you to start Singa here. Mm. Yeah. Were you by yourself when you started? No, I started with a friend uh, called Nathanael yeah. uh, Moll. And, um, and, and I wouldn't have done it without him, you know. Um, I think I, when I came back, I, I really wanted to do that, to work on uh, entrepreneurship and, um, and, and precisely with refugees at the beginning. And when I mentioned, mentioned that to him, he was like, whoa, I, left, I lived exactly the same experience in Morocco. Oh, wow. And so this was crazy because Morocco and Australia, they're really different context. But at the same time, this was exactly the same problems, the same solutions. And so we started to look into what's going on in France and it was exactly the same. And so we're like, whoa, this is a global problem. Morocco, Australia, France is the same. So we need to disrupt that. And, um, and it started like this. Uh, then we, we had a third uh, also person that had like a big influence. Uh, at the beginning, it was Alice Barb, uh, who, who joined us. Uh, and, um, and this is when we, we started the three of us of really building communities, really building uh, incubators. Okay. Um, and by the way, hi to Nathaniel uh, mm. and uh, Alice. Uh, what was the hardest part about starting Singa? Um... They weren't, to be honest. It was just fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like this was. Well, maybe the hardest part was that uh, we didn't have uh, any money to do it, and um, but uh, you know, starting starting this was just like one of the best adventure, and um, and it feels like um, when I remember this time, uh, I just feel happy, you know. 
but I also know it was tough in the sense that uh, I, we had to work at the same time. So we were doing crazy hours. Uh, I had also health uh, problems because I was too tired. I was um, I had like big health problem at that time. Um, so this was the most difficult is how you balance, yeah. uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, creating something, you have to pay your rent. So you work at the same time in a job that you don't really want to do. And, and, and it's how you do all that together. Um, but the part on just focusing on Senya was just good. That's amazing to hear. Uh, mm. Is there anything you wish you had known when you started out? Um, no, probably not. Because uh, if I'd known... Um, uh, I probably, no, I guess not. Because uh, it, it wouldn't have been the same uh, adventure. It was good that we were... Um, you know, so curious, so eager to to do that, and so humble as well, because uh, we didn't know shit. So when we were meeting people, we were listening to them. Uh, when you know a lot, you feel like you have to explain to people what to do. And I think it was better that we were like just, uh, you know, the dumbest. We didn't know anything in the in in this sector. So basically, we could see all the gaps. We could see all the things that you could change because uh, we didn't know how it worked yeah so like the white paper that yeah exactly yeah. And, and and this was i think this was this is why we had also so much influence uh in this sector is because we really didn't know what we were doing you know and, and people uh they were fighting for subventions and stuff like that and we were doing everything for free <laughs> so we we just yeah we just um disrupt the whole thing and so no no i, I think i think it it was perfect that we we didn't know much. Uh, and, at the and start. what do you think? Uh, what was the element that uh, switched Singa mm. from a starting project, an idea, to a successful uh, NGO? So, um, we we weren't um, we weren't naive. You know, we 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 always wanted to also build um, an organization, an infrastructure. So we. And um, and we we are really professional. Like we um, we've we we've done it with our heart, but we've also done it with our brain. So from the beginning, we we put a lot of things in in place to make sure that it would become like a, a, a big organization. I think one of the um, tipping points was when Ashoka uh, uh, believed in us and and supported us uh, because this was uh, these two organizations. There is also um, there's Ashoka who believed in us as entrepreneurs and there's an event we organized which was the first hackathon uh, in France on this topic so the first time we were creating you know technic uh, technological uh, solutions we got support and I think and I say financial support from the UN uh, from uh, Fondation Free and uh, from um, also a research um, uh, organization, Dana Diminescu, which was a researcher, supported us. And, uh, um, and this was, th this two, these two things made Singa possible because we could actually start pay for also our salary so we could stop working on other things. And, and then... Um, it started to grow and I guess also migration became a big topic in 2015 and this is when from you know three people we became eight uh, employees and then a 15 employees team 
in only a year. Oh. In two, two, second semester of 2015 and first semester of 2016. So in a year, this was crazy. Like, uh, and this is also at the same time uh, that uh, I became a dad. So this this was the worst possible time, you know, uh, to to manage a team that was completely growing. But uh, but we did it eventually. I bet you did. Like I, you did mm. amazingly, uh, and uh, I I'm honestly so happy and so proud mm. to be part of your network or community because I, I feel what you've done has been has changed a lot in Paris at least for like especially regarding the perception of people towards migration and 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 refugees uh, I guess there were there were thousands of stories uh, at Singa and uh, and as much as what you're doing is incredibly amazing but also on the other side it's also uh, a bit sad and pessimistic to see that amount of like number of people increasing year after year so first i want to know uh how do we deal personally with balancing uh your your part in in those people's lives so you're going to yeah. trying to help them and then staying trying to also protect yourself emotionally from all the stories you, you hear from all the people you you meet uh, how, how do you find that balance well I think the first, uh, you know, when uh, when you're an organization trying to help, uh, you have employees that try to help, and as you say, uh, at some point you feel overwhelmed because there are um, like thousands of people, and you won't be able to help everybody. Yeah. Uh, but when you are a community, it's a different thing. So it, it's not Guillaume's job to be, uh, you know present for 1,000 person, it's actually, we are already 1,000 in the community and, and we can be one-to-one. And so um, I've never felt overwhelmed and I, I think my job is actually to create uh, connections between peers in my communities and, and, and they are the ones who are going to help each other, who are going to build a value. And, um, and this is how we disrupted also that, that system where uh, it's a small organization that doesn't have a lot of money that it is subo- supposed to help like a lot of people. And it's exactly the same question with states. This is why states react so badly with migration. It's because they only perceive migration as uh, an expense. They, they, they feel like they need to to help, to buy, to, to, to do stuff. But it, they don't see migration as a resource. They don't actually uh, have this logic of investment and they don't have this logic of peer-to-peer. They see migrants as a group where actually migration uh, brings a lot of individuals that are all have their skills, all have their experiences, and they can all bring value in different places of society. And, um, and I, so I've never felt really overwhelmed at Singa when maybe I felt actually overwhelmed in other organization where I worked. Um, and also, if I think I, I learned to uh, to put some distance. I don't feel like I'm, I'm responsible to, to, to do all the work myself. I've, I, I have helped like a lot of people uh, myself. I took the time to do, um, to do so many things. Uh, and, and I have a lot of people that became like friends uh, in my life. But um, uh, it's not my job 
to become friends with everybody. It's just not possible. You know, there's this theory that after 160 people, uh, that's it. Like you can't yeah. be prison for people. And, and, and so, yeah, this is the reason why the solution is community. Yeah, so it's a matter of distribution. And distribution, <coughs> yeah. And also changing the narrative because, of course, if the narrative is we need to help, uh, you're not going to get a lot of people in society that are like, yeah, I really have the time or I really want to do that. But if uh, it's about cultural exchange, it's about creating uh, a company, creating value, it's about like a lot of different things like that, yes, you're going to get a lot of people who want to yeah, be you, involved. You show the, the interest in, in both parties and you show exactly. them where mm. both can benefit from mutually from each other. And, and you show that maybe identity is not really what you think because um, it's, um, it's not just an Afghan person. Uh, it may be uh, some of our vegetarian. We were talking about this earlier. Uh, it might be a, a, like a crazy uh, person for uh, video games. Uh, and so you, you connect with Fortnite, you connect with uh, Real Madrid, uh, you connect with whatever. And it so doesn't really, you don't really care that that person comes from so uh, is Afghanistan. That for, is that for you? Like the, so you take the concept of identity from who we are and where we come from to what we do and what we love and what are our skills. And is that how you transition it? Well, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking when I, when I came back from Australia, I went to Pôle emploi because you have to, yeah, we love you, especially because we actually work with them and we do a tremendous job, uh, to be honest on the accelerator. But yes, there was a part of Pôle emploi where, yeah. Uh, so I arrived and I was like, um, uh, this is my studies and I'm looking for a job in this area. And the person in front of me was like, uh, that box doesn't exist. <laughs> And it feels like immigration is the same. Like whenever you, you talk to someone, uh, you realize um, that her or his identity is not uh, just a passport. It's just not uh, a legal um, you know, uh, uh, status. It's not just a refugee or a student or something. And it's just not a nationality because most people, they they actually have so much more things that are happen in their daily lives that are more important for their identity than their nationality. Uh, and uh, they also have, um, they also evolve in time. Uh, and sometimes you have people that lived, for example, in Copenhagen, uh, in uh, Paris, in Lisboa, and things like that. And they're more of a local in all the cities than they are a nationality of one of these countries. And you have so many also people that have two nationalities or even three nationalities or people that uh, uh, live with a wife that has a different nationality and they have kids in a third country. And so how, what's your identity in, in that case? And, um, and I came up with this uh, concept of dynamic identity uh, because it feels like uh, we don't need to be defined all the time by um, our nationality when we go to to see uh, institutions uh, it feels like it's like you you're trying a nationality is like you're trying to give uh, one of the seven colors uh, of the arc-en-ciel um, uh, of the rainbow, rainbow yeah. uh, in, instead of using a pentone uh, color charts of 40,000 colors and today with technology we actually have uh, like a better idea of uh, people's identity than ever before 
uh, we know in, in a lot of places where they, they, they live, they work, uh, we know uh, about uh, their taste, we know about so many different things that uh, makes identity much more larger than just um, a passport. A passport. Yeah. And, uh, and evolving all the time because a passport is for 10 years, but like talk to me 10 years ago, uh, it's, just, it's not the same person. And, um, and so I, I guess also why I'm, I'm saying all that is because I think the, our generation has left uh, two big phenomenon that completely changed the way we look at borders. Uh, the first one is the internet mm -hmm. and the second one is climate change. I think the first one, internet, it has created uh, communities of fans, of consumers, fans of Beyonce, fans, uh, fan yeah. consumers of uh, different platforms, um, uh, activists uh, for Me Too, Black Lives Matters, that are not French activists. They, they, you're, not, you're not vegetarian uh, of France, you, you're vegetarian everywhere you go, yeah. uh, actually, and it connects you uh, in different places. And so it completely changes our, you know, um, personal, but also uh, citizen identity. And uh, the second one is climate change. We suddenly realize like we have one earth. We are connected the same way to nature. What I do here has an impact yeah. elsewhere. And it also created a common um, destiny for all of us. So who cares um, if it's, um, if, uh, if it's uh, something you need to do in France or if, uh, if you want to act on climate change, you need to act everywhere. Yeah. And, um, and I think today we don't have the data and we don't have the tools to actually understand that dynamic identity. Uh, and, and in so many ways, I see our generation struggling with uh, the current institutions that don't really understand who they are. And, um, and so this, this is also why I feel like there is, uh, we're losing trust in institutions. Well, we hear that people uh, lose trust in democracy and things like that. I don't think people lose trust in the process of uh, getting together and, and decide together. They're losing faith in the fact that um, uh, they should decide, for instance, on climate change with only the French people when, yeah. when it's a global decision, actually. Yeah, I think we're losing trust and faith in the <coughs> uncommon sense that we we're seeing, mm. that uh, few people are deciding for the whole planet, uh, mm. or few people here based in Germany are deciding for what's happening in Amazonia. That's, I think, that's what doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, it's it's super interesting to hear you talk about identity, and they, especially I, I can relate. Like I, uh, I come from a religious family that was that's still very open minded, and myself I had to go through different changes. And yet, whenever I go back to Tunisia, I'm mm. still perceived as, you know, the little kid who mm. goes to the mosque with, uh, mm. with his uh, dad or grandpa, uh, and. And it's not true. It's like it's completely. If they see me here, they would be <laughs> shocked. Uh, so I completely get that, and I I think we we're not investing enough resources to uh, help people understand that, which I think can help also the integration of these people, uh, because we all like I I feel like a lot of people perceive migrants and refugees as uh, a one box and yeah. people that cannot integrate, people that cannot be part of this 
society or community. So we are afraid of them. And hopefully it's not everyone, like few mm. people are have this uh, perception and they can understand actually. So what do you do to help this process of integration? Like uh, how do you uh, assist those migrants and refugees in their process? Well, so um, we, I, as I told you earlier also, I don't feel like we're helping migrants or integrate migrants. I, I feel like we, 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 we're talking about newcomers at Singa. Yeah, uh, this sure. is the term we use. So we are really going to be interested in their situation rather than their legal status first. So okay. for us, it's very tangible that someone is a newcomer because that means that someone arrived somewhere. It's easy to, you know, to monitor. Yeah. Um, to be a refugee or to be a migrant or to be an asylum seeker or to be whatever, it changes all the time. For instance, just in France, there was like more than 100 laws uh, just uh, the, the last decades uh, about immigration. So 100 laws that change all the time. What is a migrant? What is an asylum seeker? Whether it's three to six months, you're an asylum seeker and then a refugee. It's like, it's not a, a tangible reality. Like it, it has, um, it changes too much. So what we're interested in us is the situation of somewhere. Okay, you were here, you moved there. And, um, and so what we are going to do is really to work between people who arrive somewhere and wants to settle so that they can actually meet uh, local people that can show them around, uh, that can um, uh, open their ecosystem, open their uh, companies, open their even house and, and welcome them. Um, and so this is more going to be about that, about how you make community, how you, uh, you open also your company to new talents, how you, you do a lot of things like this. Um, and then what we really want to focus on at Singa is how we use also the power of migration to generate new ideas. So we are really about also innovation. Um, we really believe that someone who move on the earth, uh, when he arrives somewhere, he sees things that nobody else has, uh, can see. Uh, he, he has the capacity uh, to connect dots that nobody else who didn't move can do. And so, so this is the innovation we, we're going to be looking for because we, we believe refugees and, and, and migrants and, and asylum seekers, when they create a company, they're going to create something that is different uh, very from locals. And we believe that a lot of locals, when they see uh, and when they meet with people who moved, they have ideas. They come up with uh, Meet My Mama. They come yeah. up with uh, a lot of projects like, um, that, that we have in our incubators that are very also smart uh, thanks to migration. Yeah, and they tackle a very realistic and specific <laughs> problems because mm. it's, again, UX and UI. <laughs> It's all, also, I'm like, a, I've always draw, you know, I feel like school was drawing for me, for me. Uh, not really listening, but drawing a lot. <laughs> and I love design. And, um, and I think this is one of the key tools also to imagine, reimagine integration and inclusion. Yeah. And it feels like it would be so easy to actually create a better UX mm -hmm for you know migrants in uh, in europe like just let's take 10 good designers <laughs> and and 30 developers and let's change this this whole process you know? uh, definitely 
So you, you, you were talking about talents and stories and newcomers. Is there any uh, story or someone who really touched you or touched your heart and, mm -hmm. uh, and inspired you to change? <clears throat> so many people, but yeah, of course. But um, I'm, I'm thinking about who right now, because yeah. um, who was um, an entrepreneur, studied in the incubator uh, with a media project called Lettre Persane, uh, Persian Letters. And uh, he was working with a French girl uh, who actually became an MP during the time that she was in the incubator. And, um, and then he started another business on artificial intelligence called Jahan. Um, and um, and he, he became the president of Singa because um, he, he incarnate, uh, um, he is the, the face of everything we, we want at Singa. Um, innovation, uh, but also a big heart because he's always supporting everybody else um, in, in the ecosystem. He's always sharing, he's always connecting people. And um, so, so this is clearly someone that has, um, that has changed my view on the world and that has also inspired me. Um, and, um, and, uh, um, and this is also someone that teaches me a lot of things all the time. And I'm thinking also things about the Persian world, but also things about like France, for instance, is the one who told me the story about the Red Star with a football club. Yeah. Um, one of the best, well, used to be. Well, and, and actually created by uh, the guy um, who created uh, the FIFA um, and uh, who created the World Cup. And nobody really knows about this, even in France. And, uh, and it's crazy. And he told me at school in Iran, we, we learn about the Red Star. Yeah, <laughs> nobody knows. No, I'm exaggerating. I knew about it, but, but I didn't know that much. But the, by the way, like hi to Ro, and I remember I, I first time I saw him was at uh, Singa Inspire at uh, Bellevilloise, mm -hmm. and uh, I remember I was super super touched by his story, by by the way he 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 spoke, and uh, I I was like super happy, but also not very surprised when I heard that he became the president of, mm -hmm. of Singa, and it's true that he embodies Singa, and like it's I think one of the best move you've done because. You, you're leaving your values and you're not just, mm. uh, you're basically collaborating with the people you once wanted to help. So now like those people are also giving what they have, uh, whether it's in terms of skills or, or, or passion or empathy or, and I, I mm. really admire that. Enough talking about Singa as a global, uh, I want to know more about you. Uh, <laughs> obviously this is, such an amazing journey you've been living. It's been nine years now. Yeah. Uh, so we, I guess we're going to have a big party for the 10 years. Uh, and you you lived many lives, if I may say, in, in those nine years. But I guess it comes with a certain uh, challenges and cost as well. Mm. Uh, maybe failures, regrets. Uh, mm. So let us dive deeper in that sense. Let me start by asking you, Uh, what was the cost that came with running and managing Singa? Um, well, I think the, the first cost is um, I felt really tired, um, especially when um, we took a big risk at the beginning. 
um, because we we didn't have you know financial resources and and um, it didn't really have a backup as well. Like I didn't have personal financial resources, um, and um, and so if this didn't work, I I was kind of uh, in the, in trouble, and um, and so if um, the the difficult thing was the uncertainty uh, of seeing it during nine years, I feel like we've we've created things but they, there's always uncertainties all the time like uh, just last year but well, it's the same for everybody but i mean we built a, like a event platform for two years like i i mobilized the entire earth i had accenture build um, an algorithm i had bnp paribas get involved in finance and support financially entrepreneur plus a lot of organizations we built this very cool platform uh we launched it in January, and then in March there's a pandemic, like, and you can't meet, a, you can't meet. So, um, stuff like that. It's uh, sometimes you, yeah, when it happens, you feel like a bit depressed for yeah. sure, because uh, you work for two, three years on a project, and and um, and you had to convince everybody that events can work, and <laughs> and then this happens. And um, so, so this this was tough. Uh, especially because every time that I that I come uh, with a new project, um, most people are like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Last time it worked, but this time I don't think it's gonna work. Especially because I come with big words like blockchain and <laughs> and artificial intelligence, and, and I see my team be like, "Yeah, uh, okay, uh, we'll do that in five years." No, 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 I want to do it tomorrow. And um, and so I think I think the most difficult is that is when you work in innovation. Uh, you're never sure if it's gonna work, uh, and and somehow I, today I'd like a bit more stability, um, yeah. and I guess stability uh, in terms of financial stability for myself uh, because it's been super intense, super interesting, but it hasn't been paying very well for the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, I want to change that, especially because I'm telling my entre- like entrepreneurs in the incubators every day. Like you should, you should think about yourself first. You should, you should also uh, make sure you you make money. And uh, it's okay, um, it's good to uh, the impact you are going have on the world. But yeah, don't forget about yourself. Yeah. And I, I didn't really do it for myself. So th- this clearly, I, I want to change. Um, it has been difficult to work on migration, especially uh, because it it would have probably been easier to create an app. Uh, for lazy people, uh, you know, exploiting uh, guys um, uh, who, who can't find a job uh, to work for not a lot of money and, and make a, lo- a shitload of money with a, with a, with a cool app. But uh, I wanted to work also on something that is deep um, and, and, and that has um, that has a sense, that has a utility that, that can have an, an impact on the world. But it also means that a lot of people are going to be against you. And, uh, and it means that uh, I receive death threats. It means that I receive uh, intimidations. It, it means that uh, um, whenever I talk uh, publicly, I need to be careful, uh, it's, it's things like that. And, um, and this, is a, this is also a lot of pressure. Can you imagine it's 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 a very sensitive topic, mm. and uh, you mentioned to me uh, like about the death th- threats, about the mm. hate as well. Like, mm. uh, um, I guess 
seeing the comments or the messages, the hate messages and the 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 angry like, angriness of people that I don't get personally. But like, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you how do you not let it get into you? Or I guess it did actually. I don't know. Yeah, especially at the beginning. In the beginning um, yeah. yeah, when it first happened, um, you feel like you you're not getting paid. Uh, you work all day for other people. Uh, you build value, like uh, you are an industry of life in the sense that uh, you connect people, you make people understand each other more, you avoid conflicts, you 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 know you're really creating wealth, and you still have people who uh, who, who hates you, and you like you don't really get it, and and they don't know you, they don't understand your industry, so like. Um, but at some point, uh, you realize you don't really have time for these people because you're building something big. And uh, so this is also how I put some distance. And I guess what helped me was talking about it with my peers, people who've, um, who lived the same thing. Yeah. Um, so you really need to, to have uh, people you can talk to. And, um, and they are the one that you know, made me um, realize that uh, I have more important things to, uh, than answer. Uh, to people like this and uh, and also I guess uh, stories have helped me a lot uh, stories that I've read but also stories that I've heard and and I, during the, the pandemic last year yeah. I was uh, at the beginning like the first months uh, I was useless useless <laughs> like of, uh, don't tell that to my team uh, <laughs> it's not recorded so it's fine <laughs> uh, but um yeah, during one month I was I was really depressed, and um, I had the chance to talk with um, a friend uh, who is also an entrepreneur from uh, from the incubator called Carlos, uh, who told me, um, "Don't worry, it gets better." <laughs> uh, I've already been through um, something similar in Colombia uh, with the conflict, and people are resilient. Uh, we'll find a solution and we need to do it together and um, and just to have Carlos telling me like I've done it before we can do it again this was like whew, I know some badass people you know and um, and and just after this call I was I was back in the game and I, and I wanted to produce new solutions and actually this is this is when we launched Alomondo a few days later uh, which is this conversation uh, platform, uh, and uh, and so, so yeah. I mean, we you need that. You need these stories. You need these conversations. Absolutely. Let me ask you a more sensitive question. Maybe mm. you. I understand keeping your distance from those uh, mm. people, from the hate around, and and so mm. on. Uh, but do you think and do you have a solution mm. that can bring those people as well to the conversation? Um. What we're trying to do with Singa is ultimately change the narrative. Is when you Google migrants or refugees, you'll see something else than what you see today. The because birds, only the birds or the animals. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. But I'm thinking about today. What you see is a group of people. You see them moving, and you see some people that are in distress or some people that are aggressive. So when you see a big group moving in distress, um you feel like first, this group is not here. They're not 
in our country. So we still have the time to close the door. So you ignore that migration actually already happens and, it, and it, it's a structural thing and it, it's already in your country. So yeah. it's, it's too late is somehow if you want to close the door. It's like, doesn't make sense. Um, but also, you, you, in, in if you see people in distress, you have all the people that want to save uh, this group. Um, but if you, if you understand that migration is this, but it's also people who already arrived, who are already settling somewhere, uh, people who are already contributing where you are, uh, if you understand that it's not a group that is homogeneous, but it's also a lot of communities, it's a lot of individuals that are different from one another, then you start uh, to have better uh, understanding of what is uh, migration and how you can you, you can act. And, um, and this is what I want to change and what I'm trying to do is to change it through the you know different ways that I told you entrepreneurship uh, communities uh, and also storytelling and I realized like during the founding the years we worked on um, that I can't really change someone that hate migrants uh, but I can have a big impact on like a lot of people that don't really know mm. and they don't have an opinion but they come to this cool event that I organized, which is not about migration, which is about music, which is about football, which is about video games. And then they realize, well, I'm having like the time of my life with a Syrian and someone from Afghanistan. And so I'm starting to change the way that I view the world. And uh, so so today we, we, we're more interested in working with um, you know, all the people that are somehow in the middle between the extremes. And, um, and this, is, this is where you have the, 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 the more people. And, um, and then I realized that all the things we do, they have an impact on society in general because we were bringing proofs of what we're saying. When, when you have the incubators and you have 287 companies that came about of the incubators and they're creating hundreds of jobs and they're raising millions and they, and they start to, you know, be known um, in, uh, in the media and uh, one of uh, the CEOs become a leader and maybe he's going to be a political leader and, and things like that. Well, you, you've changed uh, society. And, and I've always believed, and that's from my grandfather, may he rest in peace. He always said, if you change one life, you've done a good job and exactly. you can just rest. Uh, and I've always believed in that mm. mantra. And uh, mm. but I guess yeah, I guess it's uh, it is about the narrative, like how we're changing the narrative to try to change those people. But also, I guess your way as well is is a it's a good way to increase the impact and saying we will increase the impact to have more argument for those people to understand what's the impact that those people can have. But it's not about arguments because um, uh, you can't convince someone with uh it's what we see with uh, you know trump and um and, and what happened in in the us yeah. is even if you bring facts and let's say about climate change <laughs> or migration whatever you have reports of 1000 pages that tells you what's going on but people don't are not convinced because because you don't need to talk to their brain you need to talk to their heart and their emotions so they need they need something else they need to live an experience that's going to change them 
it's not about what they're going to see in the media because if they feel that what they see is not the truth, they're going to be looking for another information that says what they think is, is that. So, so what re really you need to work on is experience rather than uh, a lot of um, a lot of reports, a lot of, uh, I always see like uh, so many reports about uh, migration and I, I don't think that's going to change anything because we, we've been seeing them for yeah. 30, 40 years. Um, but not so many people actually connecting uh, human beings and, and making better experiences for them. And it's, um, and, and you see this everywhere, like in France, in Lebanon, for instance, I, I remember that there was a lot of, um, of help for refugees in Lebanon. And you had a lot of Lebanese uh, people who were like, why are you helping them when we also need help? Huh. And, um, and so this, this tells you a lot about the, the things you can, uh, the feelings people can have if you help a specific population and you don't involve the locals. So whenever you do something, you need to have a complex um, vision of the territory and you need to involve all parties and um and so yeah experience is the is the big world experience is the key yeah. uh from that let me ask you what's what do you consider is your favorite failure <laughs> i think my my best failure of all time is probably jacques calm uh, the this um, housing platform because i found it in uh, an international study that um, if, uh, that we organize um, to understand how refugees are using digital platforms. I did it in 15 countries and I found this like little thing in Australia that weren't like a housing platform, but you know, uh, connecting people to, to be roommates for a while. And I say, well, this is really cool. We need to, we need to make this happen. And so we organized the hackathon in France and it became a project and, and we create like a, a landing page and we say, we are going to try to have 50 people uh, to live together during this year and we'll, you know, get feedbacks and, and improve the, the process and, and start working on the UX. And two months later, uh, there's this picture we talked about, about Ellen Kirby. Yeah. And so we have 12,000 people who sign up oh, wow. when we wanted to do, you know, small 50, test, yeah. 50. And um, we, found, we didn't have, a, a, I think we had half an employee on, the, on this thing. Uh, this, this was the, the worst possible uh, preparation. And at the same time, uh, this is probably the moment that has changed our organization and, um, and that defined also our organization. And so this is why after that, um, we've tried also to, to have process to uh, be ready for a product to grow really fast and to scale. And so, so this was a, a good failure. Uh, but I, I remember this was my, the, the moment when it happened, this was my first uh, vacation week after two years of work for Singa. <laughs> and I was in New York. Uh, with my wife and uh, and I told her like don't worry I'm not working this week like um, uh, this week is it's just the two of us and I wake up on the Monday and I have 52 um, text messages 
on my phone and I'm like shit Something and I happened. see France Inter, Europe 1, uh, all the <laughs> French medias and, and I was supposed to answer and I'm like can we can we start the day <laughs> in three hours and so um, yeah uh, so this was this was a this was a good failure so you learned a lot about obviously mm -hmm. strategies and preparation readiness <clears throat> product management um, and team management are uh, raise uh, expectations um, and um, and also how to deal with the media because this I think the reason why it didn't find it, it was so big is because this was the first time that so many medias also talked to us and um, and we didn't know how to manage that yeah. and uh, so yeah th this moment has been super difficult for one month I guess but then um, we we became a better team cool and uh, what do you think is your uh, best lesson you learned Um, I think the best lesson, um, and, and, and I've learned it from day one, is um, to stay humble, always. Uh, because the person you are going to meet, you don't know, it might be uh, the next Marie Curie. And, um, and so never talk to someone like you know better never talk to someone like uh, you're the one who, who can help because that person might actually change your life and so always be in a position where you can you know learn uh, get you get the rich richness of, uh, of that person and um, and this is something that I've um, that I've learned from day one because I feel like so rich today and it's because of all the people that I've met a very uh, beautiful and uh, valuable lesson, I guess, uh, that we should all take away with us. <clears throat> uh, where do you see Singa in the next five years and what's your plan as Guillaume? Like, uh, I'm super curious to know. Uh, you've been there for nine years, you've learned a lot. And now, what's next? So Singa is an ecosystem. It's going to continue to grow for sure. Um, we've created things that can be replicated in a lot of places. Uh, incubators can be everywhere in Europe, it can be in hundred cities, it can be in the US, it can be in Canada. Um, the platforms you built, it's the same. Alomondo, I want like 100,000 users in, in two years. I want one million users uh, in five years. Um, I, I want millions of people to, to go through the same experience that I, that I lived because I, I think this, um, this is a tremendous uh, experience. Uh, so I, I think Singa is going to, to continue building this, continue building places, continue building platforms, continue building um, uh, innovations. And, um, and I think it's going to have a, like a big impact on laws at the global level. Uh, we just created last year Singa Global to also advocate. So now we're going to be talking to the uh, EU to the UN, to states face-to-face, uh, eye-to-eye, -to, -face, uh, eye -to, -eye to, to make them also evolve. Um, so, so this is how I see, I see the future of Singal. And I want the future of Singal to have a lot of leaders. I don't want to be the only you know, chief uh, captain. Um, and this is why I said from day one, I want to leave at some point. I want other people to, to take the lead. Um, and so 
uh, now, enfin, in, in, uh, you said five years? Five, six. Yeah, seven. five, six, seven, whatever. But um, I want like, uh, you know, amazing leaders. Enfin, um, uh, also continuing to, to change things and to make it better. Um, and I want myself <laughs> um, to be working on something new. Uh, in five years for sure because uh, I, I think you can be innovative like for 30 years in the same sector I need to try other things um, I've realized that um, there's um, something to act in the finance and banking uh, sector it's related to inclusion and I want to go there so in, in the next you know couple of years I'm going to do that uh, this is why I'm creating a venture studio also, uh, with Rue, by the way, yeah. we mentioned earlier with and, uh, and Marianne and yeah. with Hamze, Khalidi, uh, Marianne Lelou. And, only, um, only great people and beautiful yeah, souls. Absolutely. And, um, and so I'm really excited about this. And then there's something for sure, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about art and culture. Uh, so there is, there is something that I'm going to do uh, in, in this area. Um, in the next five years, that's uh, I can sign it right there. <laughs> so the goal is to keep also reinventing yourself. Yeah, and um, and to be honest, it would be nice uh, with a better uh, pay at the end of I the month. Imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> Actually, that, I spent six years in in Isaac, and um, I, I I never got that image that we created a narrative as well of mm. that NGO. You're not well paid, mm. and I remember when I came here to France, I was a uh, national vice president of uh, ISEC in France, mm. and I was paid 300 euros. Mm. And I was doing, like, my work was to help other people find internships abroad, to, to help them discover other countries, and they were getting paid more than me. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. And, uh, and that also, like, I think there is a lot of work to do to change also that perception and that, uh, that idea of that we have to well, do. Well, you know, my first job in Australia, I was better paid than I am today because uh, I, I was uh, paid 70k, um, uh, uh, you know, Australian dollars, and uh, this was my first job. Like, if you compare, this was 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. So today would be like 100k, and for yeah. his first job, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. And um, and so I have also grew in this um, in this sector where it's normal to be paid really well if you are changing positively lives and uh and it feels like in europe we still need to learn that because um yeah yeah it's still there are still a lot of things to change mm. um we're almost heading to the end of the of the show and uh, i i have a couple of questions because i want to dig deeper uh into guillaume's heart uh is there any major regret you have today i'm I told you the, the, the thing that I said to my 15 years old uh, self. Um, I don't think I should have done like that much studies, um, and um, because I, I didn't, I don't think it, this was so useful. Like uh, I felt like I was obliged to do it, mm -hmm. but it cost a lot, and um, and then I would have done something else. I guess I would have preferred to to have other experiences, uh, maybe travel, things like that. And um, if, do I have one regret? Um, 
I think I have a regret that I, I didn't create a business earlier. Um, sometimes you, when you want to do everything with others, you know, also be super collaborative. Um, there are opportunities that you see, uh, but others don't see them. And sometimes you have to, to go for it. And uh, it feels like um, there is one of two times where I should have tried by myself on the side rather than trying to do with everybody else. And um, I'm proud to, to do a lot of things in collaboration, but I think also when you have an intuition and that you feel like other people don't fall, try it by yourself. Like this is leadership. Yeah. And uh, I would have told that to myself also, my 25 years okay. old self. And that's exactly what Justin Timberlake did. Really? Yeah, he was with the NSYNC and then he saw the opportunity, so he left by himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, if uh, you hear me also, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. It's, uh, it is something I, I, I think it's, it's really important what you just said. It's, uh, we have to trust our instinct sometimes and yeah, just trust go yourself. For it. Mm. Go for it. Uh, how do you define happiness today and success? So, um, to me, happiness is um, really the it's the sum of uh, moments of joy you live in your life and uh, in my opinion success is kind of the framework you build during all your life to make sure you have a lot of moments of joy and um, and so it can um, it can bring a lot of things it, it can be a place where you feel at home it can be a, a financial means um, but it, re it really is about the moments uh, of joy you live and, uh, and the ones that I live the most are with my friends and family and, uh, and also uh, I guess all the time that I, I have a real encounter which means uh, meeting someone that is going to change my vision of the world and change myself. That was beautiful, uh, thank you Guillaume. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you or anything you want to share with our listeners uh, that's highly important for you. Well, now that you know my work and, and that you know also the things that I want to do, um, you can you know connect, reach out uh, on uh, all the social networks possible because I, I'm there and I'm looking for, I'm opening a new cycle uh, also of my life. Uh, I told you in, um, in finance uh, with this uh, venture studio. Uh, and if people are also interested in art and culture, of course, uh, I'm, I'm like ready to, you know, listen and collaborate. And uh, if you want to invest, um, if you want to invest, uh, you know, you can reach out as well. Uh, happy to, to have that conversation. Cool. Thanks a lot. Uh, to close the show and this podcast, we have uh, a traditional way to do it as well which is I'm holding a set of cards. So it's to, we call it the Ichigo Connect. And basically it's a set of 50 questions. Uh, you have to pick one and accept to truthfully answer to whatever question comes in. Okay. Do you agree? I agree. <laughs> Here we go. If you knew you would go completely blind tomorrow, what would be the last thing you wanted to see? Why? I grew up in, uh, in Brittany, so um, I grew up next to the sea. I think um, if I knew I was going to, to go completely blind, um, I would go to Brittany and I would go um, on a beach. I know exactly where. And I would just 
you know stare um, stare at the at the sea uh, for the entire day because um, it's always where I feel peace and uh, and and the beauty of this world. Oh, beautiful! Thank you so much, Guillaume. Uh, it's been a pleasure, like always. Uh, I since the day one we met in the embassy to today. I think there is not a single second that I didn't enjoy uh, having with you. Uh, so I'm very happy to have you here, to have you part of my uh, friend circles, network, community. Really looking forward to seeing everything you're going to put in place, you're going to start. Uh, I, I believe whatever you touch will succeed eventually. So good luck with everything you're going to do. And uh, for all our listeners, you will find all the links to Guillaume on our podcast notes. And you can obviously reach out and uh, collaborate and support whatever Guillaume is doing. And uh, voila, that was all for me. Thank you, Guillaume, again. Thank you very much. And uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is powered by House of Ichigo, a company that's redefining the art of gathering. Now I See Me is hosted by me, Sabir Ben Radia, and produced by Ludovic Schnedorovic and Eleonore Balsam. And of course, their company's signature film. <laughs>